Talking Wellness with Developmental Services staff, a podcast for direct service professionals in Ontario's developmental services sector. I'm Sue Hutton. I'm a social worker and mindfulness teacher at the CAMH Azraeli Adult Neurodevelopmental Centre. And this podcast series is on well-being of direct staff, and we'll end each episode with some practical mindfulness tools. We'll be talking with staff from all across Ontario in all kinds of different roles supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Adriana McVicker is a staff at Community Living Windsor. Adriana is a proud daughter, sister, and auntie who lives in Windsor, Ontario, and for the last 13 years has worked with a service provider in developmental services in various roles, including direct support and in positions of management, including support services, staff development, project management. With her education in counseling, developmental psychology, sociology, and health sciences, Adriana deeply values using a comprehensive approach and providing quality supports for people and families. And she's a true believer, all of us are interdependent and that we each carry a responsibility to help one another be the best we can. Welcome to our podcast. Today, we're really excited to speak with Adriana McVicker, and I am going to jump right into it and say, Adriana, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work and what brought you to it? Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much for having me, Sue. Just happy to be joining you today. Um, So I guess just a little bit, you know, about what I do. Uh, I currently work uh, in a position of a manager with an organization called Community Living Windsor. Uh, and I also work as a senior facilitator with an organization called a Center for Conscious Care. Uh, and in both my roles, um, pretty much what I do is I connect with people who have an intellectual developmental disability or autism and their families and their teams to see what we could explore to help them live a most optimal life. And we mainly focus on how we can help lower any intense experiences of anxiety and so that's generally what I do uh, in both of my roles with Community Living Windsor and a Center for Conscious Care. Um, And what's brought me into this field, uh, it might be a similar story uh, as as many others, is that um, I just kind of fell into this world. Uh, It found me, I like to say. You know, I've always been one that loves connecting with people and learning about new perspectives and ways of being. And so definitely working with people was always something that I imagined myself doing. Um, When my younger years, I would be working with kids and youth uh, and mentoring them and, you know, after school programs and often connecting with youth who struggled in and out of foster care and who sought stability and opportunities uh, to live or better life, but it really wasn't until my last year of university that I really considered working in the developmental services sector. And so, you know, I think about my my last year of university, my last course, and it was a a night course, it was the last possible course, and the course was titled Behavior Modification. 
And as part of this course, I could either do an independent study on myself or get connected with my community and apply some of the learnings that I learned in school through observation and reflection. And so naturally, as a people person, I decided to get connected in my community. And so I took a placement with Community Living Windsor and have never left since. And that was about 13 years ago. And so, like I mentioned before, I fell into this field really without planning for it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. And when I think about the people that I've met and the learnings that I've had, I'm so happy that this service world's found me for mm-hmm. sure. I, you know what? I, I hear that from so many people that, you yeah. know, we, we sort of fall into this as you said it's really interesting yeah well it sounds amazing that you're here and I love how you described um you know just this whole idea of lessening anxiety right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh boy oh boy is this the right time to be doing something like that eh and I'm speaking to you today just after Ontario announced you know mandatory proof of covid vaccines and that's going to be a whole nother journey that we're going to be entering into in the disability communities how do we support people to navigate that in an accessible way and connect with the community (laughs) and uh so uh, which is kind of the spirit of you know your work it really sounds like around all the community engagement and uh yeah so good that you're in this field and um um and i love you know, I came across Conscious Care, I think, a number of years ago at a conference, and I think that's where I first met you, and I've just been mm-hmm. so excited to hear more about it and really wish that that could spread like a beautiful little ball of sunshine throughout all the agencies because <laughs> it's such good stuff, you know? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And so, you know, maybe it would be worth just talking a little bit about the model so that people Please, can have an appreciation yeah. of Let's do it. all of what we bring. And so Go for it. You know, just very simply, you know, the conscious care and support model. Uh, it's a model of support that is really a comprehensive model of support. It has two sides to it. Um, one pillar of the conscious care and support model really looks at exploring, um, you know, what best practices are out there that are internationally published uh, that can really look at supporting someone's wellness to lower their levels of experienced anxieties and so you know we really look at bulking up our understandings of course we you know look at evidence-based practices that are out there in Ontario when we definitely include that as part of our breast practices pillar but what are some other things that we can explore that um, you know could really enhance someone's mental health and overall well-being and so we look at um, you know things like uh, gut health and how gut health connects with mental health and how really that gut brain connection that we've all heard of uh, over the last few years is is quite evident in the research that's out there and that doesn't uh, you know uh, isn't outside of the, the people that we serve as well it definitely includes people who have developmental intellectual disabilities and autism as well um, other things like um, Uh, sensory integration which is something that people are quite familiar with as well and just ensuring that we're meeting the needs the sensory needs of the person that we support and bringing in things like sensory diets that are really matching 
their unmet needs that are causing them to experience heightened anxiety. Other things like um, brain coherence and inflammation regulation. And so simply what I mean by brain coherence is that our brain's divided into left and right hemispheres, upper, middle, lower, just super simply. And so brain coherence means that each part of our brains are talking with one another well. And so for many of the folks that I've connected with, brain coherence seems to be low. And so what are some things that we can do to enhance brain coherence to help messages transmit, us to make sense of the world around us, which will then lower our anxiety. And so those are some additional things that we look at when we think of best practices um, for those that we support. On the other pillar of conscious care and support um, is looking at us as supporters. And my gosh, uh, we've got skin in the game here to enhance someone's life, don't we? And so we can either contribute to someone's day uh, and ameliorate anxiety, or we can contribute to a situation which can increase anxiety, right? And I think, you know, many of us identify that. Definitely us as supporters, we play roles in someone's wellness. But if we really don't look more deeply into our own selves when we work in human services, um, and we don't take time to look at, you know, what are our values? What are our beliefs? What are maybe some drivenness that we might be experiencing that uh, maybe are deeper than the conscious level. They might be these deep subconscious driven drivennesses that we experience. And so through humanistic psychology, which is just a lens of psychology, uh, through conscious care and support, we really start to unpack uh, some things that we could really explore more deeply to grow in our own understanding of ourselves. And when we can grow in our own understandings of ourselves, this will then inherently make our work as a support professional, you know, even better. It will enhance our, our opportunity to be able to connect with people and enhance uh, our opportunity to be able to bring our most optimal game more consistently. And so we do look at best practices and how we can help with with planning and mm-hmm. connecting with people but then we also do spend a lot of time looking at us and and really looking more deeply as to how we can build not only our competence and our skills of what we've learned but also our compassion and being able to connect and be with people moment by moment um, and at the times where they need us the most which is often during the anxious times oh i yeah. love all of that like you just you hit all the notes you know it's uh, mm-hmm. all the stuff that's um, so important to care for ourselves and be aware of ourselves yeah do you remember the old social work term like you know I've been around for a while too I remember when I was studying social work that use that use of self term yeah. you know that they used to talk about think about your use of self and you know when I um was in the agency setting and I would close off uh, rights training sessions and I would always say to the to the group you know just the way that you hand someone a glass of water you can do that either in an empowering or a disempowering way mm-hmm. without even using a word mm-hmm. just the way you hand a glass of water and um, I love what you're talking about like just taking a look at ourselves and you know, the whole idea of the relational, like the more we take care of ourselves. And, uh, you know, I just, 
another podcast, uh, Lisa Foster um, is a big fan of Stephen Porges, and we were talking about, you know, polyvagal theory and the whole yeah. relational idea, right? And just kind of like you're saying, like the more that we can really be grounded in ourselves, the more we can just provide that amazing care for others. I, I yeah. love the way you describe it, and I wish that conscious care could be everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. And, and uh, do you want to talk a little bit, like, how are some of the staff at, um, at Windsor, where you are, what are some of the things staff are doing to kind of keep their feet on the ground during these really hard times? And what are, what, what's some kind of neat stuff that you've seen um, people right. kind of putting into place to keep it together during a time that, like, geez, it's hard yeah. for people even to keep their own lives together, let alone supporting other people yeah yeah for sure and so you know just firstly you know I think that many of those who work in developmental services and just the human services fields in general are already incredibly resilient people uh, as you know the everyday likelihood of experiencing stress um, is already higher than many other occupations right and so you know I think with with you know, the supporters that I've come across in our organization and beyond as well. You know, there are lots of things that folks have, you know, been able to tap into um, to help, you know, manage stress, like things like, you know, the free online counseling sessions, mental health counseling that folks have been uh, able to access living here in Ontario. I know folks that have accessed that, those free mental health counseling. I know that there's also been some, free uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, the phone and computer apps that can help folks um, rethink and realign some of their beliefs that that cause stress. And I know a lot of folks have connected with, you know, various online support groups or just online groups like activity groups to, you know, do Zumba together online or to play cards online or peer networks uh, just for people to get connected. And so I know that those are generally some things that that uh, through feedback folks have been able to get connected with as they navigate uh, this increased stress that they experience in the work that they do. And so I know just down in Windsor, um, we have created a peer network. And so we have uh, a group of folks that come together and through an online space, uh, through Microsoft Teams, we post, you know, daily um, questions to get people engaged. Um, Or we post, you know, encouraging um, uh, memes or funny memes to get people laughing every now and then to change change the direction of stress or post a, a really great song to get people, you know, maybe thinking or realigning how they feel uh, in, a, in a different way because many of us connect through music and so playing a good pump up song can can help people that way and we also oh we can I ever relate yeah. to that and, and yeah. I, I want to ask you to <laughs> to think about before the uh, our uh, conversation ends if there's one song that you found that people have found particularly inspiring because I find music yes. so and so many people that I talk to same thing music is yes. just so important Yes, and so I can I can suggest a song, um, and this might date myself a little bit by but by the great Van Morrison, "Days Like This," and so "Days Like This" has been a great song that's been able to help remind me to stay hopeful yeah. during the times of COVID, and so 
Definitely, I, I turn that one on and just remind myself to be hopeful and that there will be days where things will go really smoothly. And so I have to remind myself that those days aren't um, far gone. They will come again. So Days Like This by Van Morrison. Oh, I love out. it. And and yeah. we're so linking to that song in the, in the links yeah. in this episode because, yeah, I'm so with you on the music piece. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we also, you know, when I think about other things that we've been doing down here in Windsor, just with our peer network and connecting in, in those types of ways, we've also been able to create, um, uh, we offer uh, mindfulness classes or mindfulness sessions, rather not classes, but gatherings on uh, Sunday and Thursday evenings uh, for about 45 minutes of where, you know, I come and I explain a little bit about mindfulness of the model that I know and I use and we actually come together and we do a sit with one another and we practice the skill of mindfulness and so in those gatherings we can have 20 people join, we can have three people join, Uh, it all really depends on how people can find it in their day to be able to join on a Sunday and Thursday night. And we also have those recorded as well for people to access uh, on their own time. And through feedback, we found those have been helpful as well of, of folks to explore this tool that maybe they've heard of but have never really um, practiced. And so that's also something that we've been able to offer uh, to our supporters and just their, you know, just overall you know, I, I don't I don't work directly on on teams, and I don't work directly with people, and so I'm coming from an outside perspective, and just you know, the supporters that we have that are in the daily dirty grind of COVID, um, they are finding themselves um, coming together during such challenging times that just. You know, it's incredible. It's incredible of how folks are able to dig deeper, and and you don't know, <laughs> you don't know how, but they do. They dig deeper the next day that they come in, mm-hmm. and they do their best to bring their A game. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think there's just such a sense of community within certain teams um, that that you know during uncertain times, yeah. it brings people together, and so. You know, I just, I have, they have my full admiration for the work that they do because it's incredibly challenging, especially during these times. But, um, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. It's, it's um, breathtaking, breathtaking to see the, the strength in the giving uh, of the, of the people. And it's so funny, you know, I always think of that term, the front lines. It's such a militaristic term, mm-hmm. eh? The front mm-hmm. lines. <laughs> and, you know, I was just going to say, it was like, oh, geez, I don't want to go into that military style language. But, but the people who are on the ground, they, they're providing those services. They're doing those 12 hour shifts. They're, yeah. they're not getting to take vacations they're just giving their all and I couldn't agree more with you it's it's breathtaking and to me those people are the true heroes of all of developmental services and I really hope that we can continue to amplify their amazing work and I really hope that we can continue to push for pandemic yeah. pay for yeah. those people on the ground doing those 12-hour shifts day in, day out to continue yeah. that pay so that they get recognized 
financially, uh, even though I know that people want the respect and the support, but I think the financial piece doesn't mm -hmm. hurt, eh? I couldn't yeah. agree more, Sue. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, I, what amazing things you guys are doing. And, you know, on that note, would you be interested in leading us through one of the mindfulness practices? As you know, I'm a huge fan. That's a big part of what we talk about on the podcast and yeah. big part of the research that we do at the CAMH Israeli Center. And it would be so fantastic uh, for you to lead us through one of the practices that you do in mindfulness. Oh, I'd love to, Sue. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe just, just before I get to that, um, I might just explain, you know, my understanding and practice of mindfulness that I've been doing now for about eight years. I think that might be helpful for folks as we engage in this in a practice with one another. Mm -hmm. And so and so for, you know, for many applications of mindfulness, you know, that are out there in the marketplace of life, how I like to call it, are founded on the mindfulness based stress reduction. Uh, and building up the capability to focus and concentrate. And those are incredibly helpful tools uh, as we build you know, the capacity for self-regulation uh, with the intention of experiencing less stress. Um, and the framework that I've, I've been practicing now with for the last few years is based off of what we call the BFIT framework. Uh, which is co-created by my colleague Peter Marks, who's the CEO of the Center for Conscious Care, uh, along with our dear friend Shinzen Young, who is the founder of uh, the Unified Mindfulness Program. Mm -hmm. And so BFIT is simply uh, an acronym which stands for Body Sensations, Feelings, and Image and Talk Thoughts. And along with focus and concentration, that BFIT brings in what we call the element of sensory clarity which is really about getting in tune or becoming aware moment by moment with what the body sensations are doing, how the thinking mind responds, and what feelings arise in whatever experience we're having. And so this element of sensory clarity enables us to be very clear in our subjective world. You know, and I, I think especially during the moment of resistance, right? like uh, tense muscles or say we've got some resistant thoughts some judgmental thoughts or self-righteous thoughts uh, when we can gain clarity on what's happening in that moment within our subjective world we can then infuse it with what we call this allowingness to that experience it's a release like a subjective attitude of just letting it be and through this awareness and allowingness we can foster a capacity a capacity, a greater capacity to build our emotional self-regulation so that we don't get pulled into this gripping power of what we call an emotional hijack, a difficult emotion like fear or anger or indifference. And so I thought I would just preface the conversation with that as we go into our set, is that I'm going to walk us through just an awareness and allowingness of what our body sensations are doing moment by moment what the thinking mind is doing and how do we work skillfully with that and then how do we navigate how we feel and so I'm thinking maybe we could walk through like a, a three to four minute sit would that be okay mm hmm that would okay. be wonderful okay lovely thanks great okay and so just find yourself in a seated position that's alert but relaxed and you can have your feet flat on the ground and your hands just resting gently on your thighs or maybe just folded in your lap. 
And we call this just sitting up and settling in. And just bringing your back off the back of the chair if you can. It just helps with your posture a little bit. And I want you just to take a breath here. And as you breathe in and out, I want you to bring all of your noticing right now to the breath at the belly. And notice as you breathe in how the belly expands and rises. And notice as you exhale how the belly just gently falls. Just bring all of your awareness right now to the body sensations of the breath of the belly. That rise and fall. Now bring your awareness up to the breath of the chest. And again, just notice the body sensations between the inhale and the exhale. Notice when you breathe in how the lungs expand and the chest rises. And notice on the exhale how the chest just gently falls. Just bring all of your noticing right now to what your chest does every time you take a breath. Notice the rise and fall. And you might notice that your thinking mind has already started to, to hop in right now, but just do your best to put that off to the side and bring all of your awareness right now, which is to the breath at the chest, just noticing the rise and fall. bring your noticing up to the breath at the nostrils and again just breathing normally just notice the inhale versus the exhale maybe notice on the inhale that the breath is a bit cooler than the exhale maybe you notice one nostrils a bit easier to breathe through than the other Just bring all of your noticing right now to the body sensations of the breath at the nostrils. In and out. Great work. Now let's put awareness of body sensations off to the side for now. And I want you to bring your awareness up over to the thinking mind. And there's two primary ways in how thoughts come through our way. One way is through pictures, words, and the other is through words. And so if you experience thoughts coming through in pictures or images or even colors, when you notice that, just simply label image. And as I mentioned earlier, the other way and how thoughts come through our way is through words or self-talk. And so as you work skillfully with the thinking mind, and if that's your experience, just simply label talk. And so your job over the next little while 
is just to simply sit back as the observer and label the form in which thoughts come through your way as either an image or a talk. We let the thought stay for as long as we need to and just infuse this process with what we call this allowingness, just letting it be. There's no judgment of the thoughts that come, they're just simply thoughts. And simply as the observer, label with every breath cycle your experience of either image or talk. If you find yourself getting pulled into the content of the thought, that's fine. But gently yet firmly bring yourself back and remind yourself your job is to simply observe the form in which the thought comes, letting it stay for as long as it needs to, or leave as quickly as it chooses, and just infuse this process with allowing this intention. Let's put the awareness of the thinking mind off to the side for now. And I'd like for you to bring your awareness over to how you feel. For some of you, you may feel a relative calm. And so just simply label calm. For others, you may feel a boredom or indifference or impatience. It doesn't matter. Just simply label whatever emotion you're feeling. And now see if you can cycle 180 degrees back into the body sensations and see if you can pick up on where that feeling resonates in the body. Every feeling we have stems from a body sensation, the difficult feelings and the good ones. And so when we're working skillfully with the difficult feelings and we can connect with where that resides in the body, we can infuse it with that sense of allowing this intention, which can then prevent us and build our capacity to be less likely to get pulled into that emotional hijack of that difficult feeling. Great work. And so as we end our sit with one another, I'd just like for you to say a statement of gratitude to yourself carry the attitude of gratitude and very simply that may be being grateful for this gift of one more day and when you're ready just mindfully open your eyes thank you very nice thank you for leading us through that (sighs) thank you thank you i am thrilled to to be able to bring this to folks and you know it just really like we talked about before this piece of mindfulness really helps bring an awareness to what we're experiencing subjectively and when we have that awareness and we infuse it with that allowing this intention that let it be just ride and abide we start to actually do some interesting work 
around building up our capacity to become much more self-regulated and so that we can more wisely make decisions and more wisely provide optimal care instead of maybe just knee-jerk responding to what those difficult feelings might be telling us or what maybe those judgmental or, or um, not-so-helpful thoughts are telling us to do at the time. It definitely mm-hmm. is a bit of a superpower, for sure. For sure. Amazing. And sorry, my puppy was just uh, yeah. barking there, but he stopped barking, so that's good. And you know what's so fun is actually hearing you mention Shinsen Young, yeah. who is such a cool guy. I remember... Yeah. Uh, time travel back to 2007 uh, you know after I had spent a couple of decades you know traveling to India to do a year retreat and then going off on like 30 day silent retreats all this luxury before having a kid Mm. (laughs) and then I had a baby and I remember calling a number of my teachers and different groups I was meditating with said can I come with my baby and meditate and they're like Mm, no. <laughs> and then Shinsen Young was doing these retreats over the telephone, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember being there with my baby and being able to do these full day meditation retreats uh, guided by Shinsen mm-hmm. Young. And it was such a gift. Mm-hmm. And um, so great to hear you mention him again. And just great to do a practice. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and sharing with us the uh, the awesome work you're doing. And yes. uh, really, really good speaking with you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sue. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the CAMH Azraeli Adult Neurodevelopmental Center in Toronto. That always feels like such a mouthful. And it's in uh, partnership with the Provincial Network on Developmental Services and funded by the Ministry of Children, Community and Social Services. The podcast is part of the Cultivating Community Wellness Initiative. Thank you to our very own Katie Cardiff, who has edited these sessions for your listening pleasure. And thank you musician and producer Kevin Laliberté, who has put together the beautiful music that you are hearing in these episodes. Most of all, thank you to all of you out there in developmental services doing the work that is so important and so unseen. We celebrate you and thank you. Take care and we'll see you next week.